Open your Bibles, please, to Romans 8 this evening. And I want you to find another place, 1 Samuel 10. We'll actually look at that first. 1 Samuel 10, Romans 8. Now, I want us to have some fun tonight. Hmm? While we're uh, in the Word, don't get too stiff on me. Don't, don't get too intellectual. <laughs> 1 Samuel 10, this is the story of when uh, Samuel anointed Saul to be king. And he told him what was going to happen to him after he left him, that he was going to meet some prophets. And they were going to be prophesying in verse 5 and verse 6, the spirit of the Lord, he said, will come on you. And you will prophesy. Now this would have been a brand new thing to Saul. We'll see this as we go on. But Saul was about the furthest thing from a prophet you ever met. At this point in his life I'm talking about it especially. He was a tall young man. I guess his daddy had some stuff. And, and he was, I don't know... He might have been considered a player. He was a <laughs> he was young man about town. He, you know, bigger than everybody else, maybe athletic, I don't know. But uh, nobody looked at him and thought, prophet. Right. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> and so when the man of God tells him this, I'm sure this sounded foreign and strange to him. But... He said, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come on you. Verse 6. You'll prophesy with them. And get this now. Read that next part to me. And you shall be turned into another man. Somebody read that out loud to me. You shall be turned into another man. Say it again. You shall be turned into Another man. Hallelujah. What's another man mean? Not the same man. Not the same man you were up until that point, but a different man. Hallelujah. Better man. Praise God. Another man. Can God do that? Yes, he can. Yes, he does. Yes, he has. Yes, he will again. It's one of his favorite things. <laughs> Taking old men and making them new. Glory to God. Taking sin men and making them Christ men. And he said, you're going to go down and I'm going to meet you and we'll make an, an offering. And verse 9, it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. Now this is Revelation 2. Before you become a different man on the outside, something's got to happen on the inside. That's why so many things have been failures 
because people try to change people on the outside. You know, I don't, you can get a new haircut, you can get new clothes, you can lose 20 pounds, you can gain 20 pounds, you can get new jewelry, and it won't change you Come on, now. on the inside. You can learn how to speak differently. You can carry yourself differently. You can put all kind of stuff on the outside and it will not change you. Change comes from the inside. And for a man or a woman to be changed first, the heart has to be changed. And we don't see his actions changed necessarily instantaneously. It just says when he turned his back, and started to walk away, something happened in his heart. You know, some of the greatest things happen in people's lives and others around them are not aware. Because again, it happens on the inside. Now, eventually, you'll see the fruit of it. But you may not. You know, so many times in services just like these, Somebody sitting beside you, they might not be making any noise. They might just be sitting there. You might think they're bored and getting nothing out of it. But God can do something deep down inside them and touch them and change their heart. And you might, even the next day, you might not think they got anything out of it. Or even the next week. But something happened. Deep, and when it happens inside, it's just a matter of time till it shows up outside. If you're praying for loved ones, praying for friends who are still in a sin lifestyle, praying for friends, family, brothers, sisters, whoever that are still in bondage, still in drugs, still in whatever, don't think your prayers are going unanswered because they hadn't come to the altar already. When you pray and say, God, I'm asking you, send labors across their path. I'm asking you, enlighten the eyes of their understanding. Give them space to repent, Lord. Give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the enemy. When you pray and believe, do not imagine that it's not working. They may come in and look like they're higher than they were last time you saw them. You're drunker than they were last time. More foul mouth. But you don't know what's going on at three in the morning when they're laying in their bed by themselves. You don't know. I assure you, God is faithful. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. And even though they might be foul mouthed and doing a bunch of stuff, it could be that something has already been touched in their heart that's starting them a different direction. You don't see it yet. But change happens on the inside first, then the outside. God gave him another heart, another heart. And uh, all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. Now, friends, I know you didn't know Saul. I didn't know him, but I'm telling you from the word, this is a sign and a wonder. (laughs) For this man to be marching along with the prophets, prophesying, this is a sign and a wonder. Notice what they said. It confirms it here. It came to pass when all that knew him before time 
saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, what is this that has come to the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? He was the last one anybody would have ever thought would have made a preacher. (laughs) He was the last one. That any, I mean, none of his high school friends would have picked him for a preacher. Not his mama, not his daddy, not his grandma. Nobody would have looked at him in his previous life and said, preacher one day. Nobody. It shocked everybody. Everybody. Did you see what it said? Everybody that ever knew him before now, the Bible said, we're going, what? What? Saul? You've got to be mistaken. It wasn't him. You saw Saul with the prophets prophesying. Now, he wasn't making fun of them, mocking them. He wasn't drunk. He wasn't high. He prophesying. Now, read the next verse. Get ready to shout. Get ready to shout. They said, is Saul among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? He was so unlikely a candidate to be a prophet until it became a proverb. We're still talking about it tonight, <laughs> generations later. <laughs> when you saw anybody that was doing something completely out of character un- and unlikely, the phrase was, is Saul among the prophets? <laughs> But I want you to notice the response that a man gave when they said, is Saul among the prophets? He said, well, who is their father? The title of my message this evening is, who's your daddy? (laughs) Who's your daddy? What he said, what the guy said, well, who is their daddy? That's right. Why did he say that? Because everybody comes from somewhere. <laughs> and God uses people just like you. Just like you. Because he doesn't have any other kind. He can't find anybody else on any continent, in any age. He cannot find anybody that's got no issues. I'm sure they would. It'd be great to find a bunch of people, men and women, he could use that never yielded to the flesh, that was never ignorant, that never rebelled, that never disobeyed. But there's only been one. One individual in the whole of humanity that that was so with. Jesus. The rest of everybody else. He's had to work with what he's got. (laughs) Everybody comes from somewhere. It's not where you come from. 
It's where you're going. It's not what you've done. It's what you're going to do. It's what you're doing now, what you're going to do. It's not what you've been. See, turned into another man. It's what you are going to be now. Now, this is not just talk. This is the Word of God. I'm going to go to verse after verse. We're going to nail it down. <laughs> and then we're going to turn the plank over and, and brad it on the back. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. So you bend it over so you can't pull it out. <laughs> what do you mean? God uses people like you. Just like you. But I'm telling you, the devil has told the same lies to every generation since mankind's been on the planet. God can't use you. You ever heard that before? Not for that. No, you, you're too something or not enough something else. Hmm? Have you ever heard it before? Now, don't think, and the thing is, the enemy tries to tell everybody their situation is unique. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Which is ignorance and a form of spiritual pride. Ignorance of the Bible, because the Bible says there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Right. Anything you've ever been tempted with, anything you've ever been stressed or pushed with is common. Other people have dealt with the same thing. And a lot of them didn't whine half as much. (laughs) No, Peter said the same afflictions are being accomplished in your brethren throughout the world. The same stuff. But has the enemy ever tried to tell you your situation is different? Different. Watch out for that word. You ever heard people say, well, you know, well, I guess I'm just different. Yeah. <laughs> no, honey, you're not. You're not. The Bible says we're very much the same. <laughs> well, I guess I'm just not like other people. Yeah, you are. <laughs> See, there's pride in that. It's a subtle pride. Well, I, you know, I'm just, I'm different. And, you know, in the spirit, what you want is two or three spotlights on you right now. Punk. Punk, punk. They're different. (laughs) They're different. You know, you don't understand. You don't understand, preacher. My situation's a little little different. No, it's not. The Bible said it's not, and so I'm gonna go with that. Amen. (laughs) So what what did uh, what kind of people can God use? What kind of people does he use? People exactly like you. Somebody said out loud, God uses people just like me. And when I say uses, I mean uses. I mean five-fold ministry. I mean touch the world stuff. I mean major impact in life. Think about people that God has used. 
You know one of Jesus' great, 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 grandmas? Rahab the prostitute. Come on now. She helped run a house of ill repute. That's where she lived. That was her life. The Bible doesn't color it at all. Didn't say she slipped up a time or two. No, that's her profession. There's a sign over the house. Rahab's place. Red light district. This is her. Don't try to color it. Right? She is in the lineage of Jesus, the master. Ruth the Moabitess. Man, if you ever studied about Moabites, I don't recommend you do. Dear me, they could teach modern sinners some new tricks. The stuff they did. Ruth in the lineage of Jesus. And notice the men and women of God that he used throughout the generations. People like Gideon. And he would say, I'm too little. And my house is too little. I can't do anything. Does that sound familiar? The devil tells everybody the same. Moses. One of the greatest individuals ever used in the Bible. Standing out there, you know, in his bare feet by the burning bush going, you don't want me. You you don't. I can't talk. You don't want me. Why would he say that? The devil is telling him God can't use somebody like you. The devil's a liar. Say it out loud. The devil's a liar. Anytime anything comes across you, the Lord can't use somebody like you. You say, devil, that's you. And that's a lie. God uses people exactly like me. Exactly like me. Glory to God. In fact, you are more qualified than you may even know. 1 Corinthians. Who's your daddy? (laughs) He said, who's their daddy? Now, that's not just a little phrase. I'm going to tell you more about that in a few minutes. Who's your daddy? 1 Corinthians and the first chapter and 25. He said, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. 1 Corinthians 1.25. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish. Devil says, well, you're just a fool. Hey. I'm in the book right here, man. That's the kind of people God uses. <laughs> you a fool. Hey. I'm right here in verse 27. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. The devil will say, you're too weak. You're just weak. Weak-minded, weak-willed, just yield to the flesh. Weak. Weak. Well, read on. Yeah. God has chosen the what? God has chosen the weak things 
of the world to confound the mighty. Somebody say, well, you don't know where I grew up. I mean, they always called me just poor trash and from the wrong side of the tracks. And my people is just base, ignorant, rude, crude, uncouth. Just, that's us, man. That's, that's us. Hey! Got you right here. Yeah. <laughs> In verse 28, God has chosen the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has picked them. Somebody say glory to God. God has picked them. Somebody say, well, you don't have this. You haven't got this. And you're not this. You're not educated. And you're not good looking. You're, you're too thin or you're too fat or, or you're too this or you're too clumsy or you're too cool to be in church work or, or you're too something. You're not enough this. Come on. I got you right here in the next part. God has chosen the things which are not. If you're not something, you're what he's looking for. Glory to God. I think everybody's covered here. He, not to bring to naught things that are. Why? Read the next verse. Why has he done it like this? That no flesh should glory in his presence. You know the kind of people God uses? People just like me. People just like me. That's the kind of people he uses. Just like me. Selah. Say it again, just like me. Just like me. Just like me. God uses people just like me. You know what kind of other kind of people he uses? People who are available. You remember the parable that Jesus taught about he said the supper is ready. Everything's ready. Go tell them the supper's ready and come. And one by one begin to make excuse. Isn't that right? And one said, I can't come because I got some property I got to go look at. One said, I can't come. I bought some new equipment for my business and I got to check it out. I'm too busy. I'm busy with my business. I got to check. One said, I just got married. You know, I got to put my family first. If family's first, God is not first. That's another sermon. <laughs> and your family will never be what it's supposed to be if you put them first ahead of God. You've got to put God first. And then family will be right. But notice what he said. It made the Lord angry. And he said those that were first invited are not worthy. He said you go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. And you know they did. The Bible said they filled up the place. With who? Just like me. Just like me. Where did they find these folks? Highways and the Bible. They found the guy out on the street corner, been living in a cardboard box. They said, You will come to a party? And he didn't say, Let me check my calendar. That's right. Come on now. Come on now. He wasn't too busy doing something else to obey God. He didn't feel like he was too smart or had too much going on. He said, sure, yeah, I'll come. You bet. You 
That's the kind of people God uses. Not the smartest, not the sharpest, not necessarily the best looking. The people who will just say, yeah. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. You know what's here, Lord. You know how dumb I am. You know what I don't know. Yeah, he already knew. Think about it. When he called Moses, standing out there by that burning bush, he said, Moses, I want you to come and I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. And Moses starts trying to tell him, no, I can't. You don't understand. I can't talk. You don't want me. In fact, I mean, they got my picture down at the post office down there. I'm wanted in Egypt. That's why I'm out here in the desert. You understand? I can't go back. I go back. I'm a dead man. And, And did the Lord say, you know, I hadn't thought about that. You, you know, you're not a good orator, are you? And that could cause problems. I Forget it. I'll get somebody. No, he knew all that before he called him. Didn't he? And when Moses is standing there going, yeah, but I, I can't talk and, and I'm wanted and you don't want me. Did the Lord look at him and go, bless your heart. That's why I like you. You're so humble. No, the Bible said it made him mad. It made the Lord angry. And when you begin to see the scope of it, you could see why. God knows more of your weaknesses than you've ever been aware of. He knows. God could put a spotlight on you and show you everything that's wrong with you at once. And you'd just faint and go, God, please put me out of my misery. He knows things that you got problems that you've never even seen and thought about. And if in spite of that, he still says, I want you. I want to use you. For you to stand up and try to reason with him and tell him why you can't do it and why you're not able to is insulting. It's acting like you know more than he does. So never again after tonight, if the Lord says, I want you to do this, I don't care if it looks like an impossibility. If God says, I want you to do it, you humble yourself and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for using me. Whatever's here, you got. You got, and I know you'll add to me what I don't know, and you'll give me what I haven't been able to do. I'm trusting you. You are my ability. And, of course, he was already counting on doing it. He's already got it already. He doesn't need somebody who's already got it all together. He just needs somebody that will say, yes, yes, here I am. You got me. I'll do it. Hallelujah. Say it out loud again. God uses people. Just like me. Everybody that's ever been used of God, who's their daddy? Who's their mama? Where'd they come from? I'll never forget, just a few miles across the way here in Mississippi where I grew up. As a young boy following along behind, I never, one morning, for daylight, trying to find some cows. And I had gotten stirred up about the word of God. And I, I was thinking about David, how he followed the, uh, the sheep and, and how God used him. And I thought, I remember standing out there in the dew, you know, and thinking, God, if you could use me some way. Of course, to a, a boy 
with mud between his toes. Don't know anybody. But God heard that prayer. I said, God heard that prayer. And he's brought me to places I would have never dreamed of. He's let me be a part of things I couldn't even have imagined back then. Just couldn't have imagined truly exceeding abundantly above all that I had ever asked or thought at that point. Said out loud, God uses people just like me. People just like me. But see, you've got to agree with God and not the devil. You can't let the enemy come and tell you, you can't do this, you don't know that, you've messed up too much on this. See, if you listen to that stuff, do you remember Lot's wife? What happened to her? She was frozen into a pillar, a statue of salt. What does it mean she became a pillar of salt? How many understand... After that point, she never moved forward. She never did anything. She was stuck. Why? What brought it on? What brought it on? Looking back. Looking back froze her. Looking back stopped her. I remember one time... Repenting to the Lord for something. You ever messed up in the same area more than once? <laughs> How about more than ten times in the same area? How about more than fifty times in the same area? Well, I had missed it several times and saying, I don't know, I wasn't, you know, sleeping around or robbing banks, but you know, something I knew better, and I just hadn't done it right. And, and I came, you know, after several times, you don't want to come back to the Lord again about it. You're like, but you, if you got any sense, you know, you got to. You got to get it right and get clear. And I, I said, Lord, I don't know, what, what is this, the hundredth time? I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. I repent. And he spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but he spoke to my heart. He said, I only see one. I thought, well, of course. He said, your sins and iniquities, I'll remember no more. He said, as far as I'm concerned with, there's only one thing we're dealing with right here. This one that you're talking to me about right now. He said, I don't see that. That hasn't been real enough to us, has it? Is that true or not? Is it true that our sins and iniquities he will remember no more? Somebody said, well, he's God. He knows everything. How can he do that? Because he's God. (laughs) And if he decides not to remember it, then it's not there. He can do it. But see, the enemy tries to keep us living in an awareness of the sum total of all our mistakes through our whole life. Why? Because if he can keep you in condemnation, he can destroy your faith. And if he can keep you looking back, he can do to you what happened to Lot's wife. He can freeze you. He can lock you up. He can cause you to be frozen in time. 
Somebody said out loud, no looking back. No looking back. back. See, you're either forgiven or you're not. You're either clean or you're not. If you hadn't repented, well, do it tonight. Don't wait. Repent. But if you really repent and you get under the blood, then the Lord don't see it anymore. It's not there. Other people might see it and remember it, but he's the one that counts. And if he's happy with you, everybody else needs to get happy with you too. They might as well because he, he's the one. He's the one. That's why you really need to watch about talking about people and judging them. Maybe you see somebody, hear somebody do something. Maybe they did it. Maybe it was bad. Maybe it was wrong. But how do you know they haven't already repented? Thank you. And here you are telling somebody else about it and talking about them. And God don't even remember it anymore. Do you see that? If they've already repented, then that's, it's a serious violation of us violating the love law. Go to Romans 8 now, please. What kind of people does God use? And you sound like you're starting to believe that. People just like you. Romans 8, verse 15. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We cry what? Abba, Father. Who's your daddy? Abba, as you may have heard, is a word like daddy or dada, like a little one would say daddy. But I want you to notice of all the things the Holy Spirit could be speaking in you and making known to you. He could have said, we haven't received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we've received the spirit of the almighty God. But he didn't say that. Because that would be emphasizing his power. And his awesomeness. What did he say? The spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry. Abba. Abba. Father. Now over the next few minutes. I want you to believe God with me. Don't assume you already know this. Even if you do know a little bit about it, there's so much more revelation here. The source, he said, spirit of bondage again to fear. The source of insecurities and fears is that people don't know God as their father. Millions in religion all over the world talk about God. God, the almighty creator of heavens and earth, God. And you can tell from five minutes of their talking, they don't know him. He is the almighty. He is the omniscient. He is the all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful. He is. But he never intended to intimidate us with his fear. God could scare us out of breath and life in three seconds tonight. 
He could show up in this room and just go, woo. They just have a bunch of funerals. The rest of I'm serious. I'm serious. You ever heard uh, Brother Jesse DePlantis talk about his experience in heaven? He said, among other things, he said he finally got to the throne and the power was so strong he couldn't even hold his head up. And he said uh, he saw the father, the lower part of him. He saw his hand and he didn't see his upper part. Of course, no man can see his face and live and stay mortal. It's just too much. And he said these huge angels were flying around the throne room crying holy. And he said the father's finger moved. Hardly you could even tell it. His finger moved when one of those angels, and he said it just plastered the angel up against the, the wall. <laughs> and he shook himself and went, holy, and took off flying again. <laughs> he said, we haven't understood all the power that is keeping the sun burning. Come on now. All the power that's holding the gravitational forces in the core of this planet, the oceans and the mountains, and that's not talking about all the rest of the solar systems in the universe, is coming from that throne. We don't have an inkling how much power he has. And he could just move his finger tomorrow morning in the atmosphere of the world and there wouldn't be an agnostic or an atheist on the planet. There wouldn't be. Everybody in every time zone would have their nose pasted on the ground going, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So Mrs. why doesn't he do that? He doesn't want to. He has chosen not to. Because right now, it's proving time. Come on now. Who will be worthy of living with him and his presence and being used of him and his eternal kingdom? It's the ones who chose to believe him when they couldn't see. The ones who chose to obey him and be faithful to him when they didn't feel it or they didn't see it. The ones who walk by faith are the chosen, the faithful. But what we can, so of all the things that the Spirit of God could be manifesting and and getting across to us, this is what he's doing. Manifesting to us, God is your daddy. He's your father. Spirit of adoption means you belong. Yeah, but I was born, yeah, that's why it said adoption. Come on now. I was born out of this, and I wasn't that. Now, well, he knows all that, but he picked you anyhow. And when God picks you, glory to God. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Somebody said out loud, God has chosen me. Now, we've already read, maybe you were the weak, the foolish, the base. The not, but he still picked you. And when he picks you, that's everything. I was telling Brother Mac, I was privileged last week. I wanted to be a martial arts fighter when I was younger. But the Lord 
caused me to see he had a different path for me. And just, it was out of the blue to me. I never even thought about it. Somebody contacted me and said, would you like to be with Chuck Norris in the World Combat League fights? And I and at first I thought, well, no, I, I don't know if I can do that or not. And the Lord prompted me, go. Yeah. Okay, I'll go. And he took me in like I was a long lost friend. Yeah. Chuck, I'm talking about Walker, Texas Ranger. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and he took me around. And of course, I'd always watched Bill Superfoot Wallace and, and uh, Joe Lewis. And you, you guys know some of these guys? Oh, yeah. And he took me around and he said, uh, he said to Bill, he said, Bill, this is a friend of mine, Keith Moore. And Bill looked at me, and of course, Bill's tough as nails. And he said, any friend of yours? Friend? Hey, he stuck out his hand. I th- took me around, and I thought, glory to God, man. Who is that guy? Chuck's friend. Glory. Well, you got another friend that's on another level. Come on, you got somebody. Jesus, the Bible said, is not ashamed to be called your brother. And one of the most exciting things you'll ever read, the Bible said, we will not have any fear. We'll have boldness when he comes. The Bible said that he is going to call our name before the Father and his angels. He's going to say, that's Keith. I know him. He's mine. That's Mac. That's Mike. He's going to call your name in front of the Father. <laughs> Who is that? You're going to go, I'm with him. I'm, I'm with Jesus. And Jesus will go, yeah, he's with me. I know him. He's, he's, he's mine. We don't know what that's going to be like that day. He's going to call you by name. You. Not you plus a bunch of other people. You call you by name in front of the Father and claim you. Well, that means you in. You are in. (laughs) You're in. That's it. What is the Spirit of God working in you, trying to make you know and make you aware of? That you have been adopted. You have been made one of the holy family of God. And it keeps resounding within you, God is your daddy. God is your father. God is your daddy. I don't know if we've realized how much God wants us to know this and live in this light and how much the devil can't stand it. Oh, he hates this. Oh, he hates this. Because this is something he has lost for all eternity. Something, first of all, that never was available to him. He was never created a son like you and me. But then he lost his place as a servant. But you and I have sonship privilege. Said out loud, God is my father. Now I want you to look at some scriptures and see how significant this is. Look at John, the fifth chapter. I am believing God that this is going to get in our spirit tonight like never before. And it's going to change us. I said it's going to change us. I want you to practice this tonight and tomorrow. Every time it comes across your mind, I want you to open your mouth and I want you to say it. God is my father. God is my father. 
Because there's a whole nother level of awareness. And don't think, well, it's just neat to know that God's my father. No, no. It's way out beyond neat. It will do something inside you that if it gets real enough to you, it'll deliver you from all your insecurities. It will deliver you from all your fears. It will deliver you from all your identity crisis. If he is your father, then you know who you are. Who are you? If he's your father, who are you? You're his son. Not just anybody's son. Whose son are you? (laughs) Who are you? Who are you? If God is real. And he really is everything the Bible said he is. And you really are his son. That eclipses everything else in this life and in the next. You don't ever have to be afraid of anything ever again. Not life, not death, not anything. Why? God is my father. (laughs) Well, who are they? Don't mess with them. God is their daddy. Their daddy is God. (laughs) How many understand what I'm talking about? Not not their daddy is general so-and-so. Their daddy is the head of GM. Their daddy is the president. No, no. That small fry stuff besides what we're talking about. We're talking about their daddy is God. 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 Who's your daddy? God. God is my daddy and my father. Glory to God. See, daddy bespeaks intimacy and closeness. Father bespeaks reverence and all that he is. And so both words are used. Both words. Say it out loud. God is my daddy. God is my my father. father. John 5. I'm glad I came tonight. (laughs) John 5. 17. There had just been a miracle manifested through Jesus' ministry. And they were hollering about it. In verse 17 of John 5, Jesus answered them and said, My Father, you want to do a good study, go through the book of John and underline or circle everywhere Jesus referred to his Father. And your whole book will be marked up. This is something he walked in the awareness of. And he talked it all the time. And you are aware of what you talk. You're aware of what you keep in your mouth. What you keep in your mouth, you keep on your mind. What you keep on your mind, you keep your heart open to. That's why I said practice it starting tonight, starting right now. Practice it. And don't forget it tomorrow. And don't forget it the next day and next week. What you're going to be saying when it crosses your mind. 
God is my father. Because there's a whole, and don't think you know it. Don't think, oh, I know that brother. No, no, you don't know what I'm talking about yet. Amen. Maybe you got a little bit, but no, no. I'm talking about something that will turn you into another man. Yes. What makes people messed up? What makes them spastic? What makes them unreliable? What makes them liars and everything else? The core of it is fear. Fear. Some of the meanest, hardest people you'll ever meet, the reason they push so hard is they're so scared. They're scared nobody will respect them, nobody will accept them, they'll never have anything if they don't take it away from somebody. Fear. Fear runs their life. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they are. They're insecure. But when you know that you know nobody can beat it out of you, nobody can tell you any different, God, God, God is my daddy. It tends to make you relax. <laughs> and I'm going to be around forever. This life is one of the shortest things I'll ever do. We'll all soon be out of here. But a zillion years from now, God will still be my daddy. And as long as I got him and he's got me, I got it made. I got it made. He knows everything. He has everything. He can do everything. And I'm his boy. The only way I could mess up is to leave him. And I'm not that stupid. Somebody say, I'm staying with God. I'm staying with God. The psalmist said, my soul follows hard after thee. What does that mean? If God stops suddenly, you're going to run into him. Because you are right there. You hang close. <laughs> close. How many don't understand? Peter got in trouble, denied the Lord and all that stuff when he followed afar off. Remember that? The Bible said he followed afar off. Next yeah. thing you know, he's denying the Lord and cursing yeah. and doing all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Little boy kept falling out of bed, and his mom would come in there and say, you know, help him get back to bed. Happened night after night. <laughs> Finally, boom, she heard him hit the floor. She came in and said, baby, what's going on? He says, I guessed I stayed too close to where I got in at. <laughs> He stayed too close to where he got it. You know, there's a lot of Christians like that. They want to live with one foot in the world. Hmm? They want to live on the edge. They don't want to be lost. But they want to party all they can while they can. They want to be as much like the world as they can without actually being lost. 
What does that mean? That means you're going to fall out the bed. That's what's going to, you're going to fall out of the bed. You're going to bounce on the floor. Why? Because you stayed too close to where you got in it. Come on and get on in the middle of the bed. Come on. Get in the middle. Come all the way. All the way. How many of you are in the middle of the big bed? You can roll over a time or two. Are you still in the bed? You're still in the bed. You got some margin. Amen. Come on, get in as far as you can. Don't see how you can play around the fringe. Amen. Come as far as you can yes. come into God. Say it out loud. I love the Lord my God. With all my heart. All my soul. All my mind. All my strength. I love God. He's my father. Jesus said, my father is working. Notice what happened to him. I want you to see a revelation here. Verse 17, he said, my father works hitherto and I'm working. Verse 18, therefore the Jews, what? Huh? Sought the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but here's what really, really pushed him over the edge. What was it? He said that God was his father. <laughs> Making himself equal with God. Now what, what does that mean? That means same family. And none of the scribes taught that. And millions in modern religion called Christianity don't teach it today either. They'll teach you that you can't go to God direct. Come on. You got to go through saints and priests. You got to go through this and that. And why? Because no unworthy a worm as you could come direct to God's too holy. He's too unapproachable. And that's what religion, traditional religion of man does. They will tell you about God, the almighty creator, God, the judge. And you are to be afraid and you better live right or else. But nothing is said about daddy. And so it cannot work. Because it's not reality. Cannot work. You're talking about putting people in fear. And that's what he just got through saying. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But we've received the spirit of adoption. And by him in us and on us, we cry out. Abba. Father. God's my daddy. God's my father. It needs to be more real to you than any human father you ever had or didn't have. He says, well, I never had a daddy. You got one now? You got, oh, you got the father. Never look back again and talk about what you didn't have because you got more than you ever imagined missing. You got him. They said they wanted to kill him. Skip on over to the uh, uh, 10th chapter. Why did they care so much that he said 
God was his father. Why was that such a big deal? Is it a deal now? Chapter 10, are you there? Verse 29. A man has received his sight. A blind man now sees. And the people got so upset about it. The religious leaders did. And verse uh, 29 of chapter 10. Jesus said, my father. There it is again. Somebody say, my father. If Jesus needed to talk this way, we need to talk this way. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So that means he is the Father. No, it does not mean that. Too many scriptures prove otherwise. No. Jesus said, my father is greater. I and my father are one. He prayed in John. He prayed that all of us would be one as he and the father are one. Didn't he? If he is the father, is he praying that we become the father? See, the verse is like that all through the scripture. No, Jesus is not the father. He said, I and my Father are one. What does that mean? Fellowship. Communion. One. What about us? Can we be one in fellowship with him like that? Is this available to us? And when he said that, what happened? Verse 31. The Jews took up stones again to stone him. It made them, it pushed them into a murderous rage when they heard him talk about God is his father. I mean, they got upset about Sabbath day stuff and they did things here and there they didn't like, but it was nothing to compare when he started talking about God being his father. They went off the deepy. Why? Because it wasn't just mortal anger at that point. The devil is in that. Murderous rage. The devil's in that. And why? Because if there's one thing he does not want you to know. Is that you as a born again child of God. Have God as your father. That you have sonship right and privilege because if you ever learn that and if I ever learn that and start walking in it, you know what we'll look like? We'll look like Jesus. We'll act like Jesus. We'll operate like Jesus. And that'll put devils on the run everywhere and mess up everything he's done for the last centuries. And Jesus is continuously saying, my father, my father. Somebody say, my father. my father. Say it again, my father. My father. One more time, my father. my father. Now get ready to shout some more. Can you shout a little bit more before the night's over? Huh? <laughs> John 20. Go on over there. Uh, uh, hold up, hold up. I didn't finish John 10. Trying to rush. John 10. 
the Jews took up stones to stone him. And Jesus said, many good works have I showed you. From where? <laughs> That's the thing that made him so mad to start with. He just keeps on saying. <laughs> For which of those works are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him saying, For a good work we stone you not, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them and said, Is it not written in your law? I said, You are God's. He said, ain't it in the Bible? Of course, they didn't like that either. Verse 35, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, you blaspheme because I said, I am the son of God. If I do not the works of my father, he says it again. It's just like slapping him every time he says it. (laughs) But he won't quit. Why? Because this is the core, the source of all of the miracles in his life. Those are not my words. It's his. Do you remember reading? Read in the book of John. Underline it. Find it. He said, I can of my own self do nothing. Jesus said that. He said, I just say what I hear the Father say. I do what I see him do. My Father in me. He does the work. My Father. Can you hear a theme going here? My Father. My father, I just say what I hear my father say. I do what I see my father do. The father in me. He does the works. My father, my father. Would that affect you and me if we live in an awareness of it every day? We get up in the morning and go, God's my father. God's my father. The greater one is inside of me. I can do anything I need to do today because God's my father. God's my father. Nothing can destroy me because God is my father. Hmm? If God's with me, who can be against me? <laughs> you begin, what happens? The stronger this gets in you, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. And so we have read that verse like it means walking in love with each other. That's not what it said. It includes a part of that, but the biggest thing we need a revelation of is God's love for us. You're never going to walk in love with other people and you don't know God loves you. And the Bible said to love your brother as yourself. What if you don't even like yourself? Well, your brother's in trouble. But the more you find out God loves me. God loves me. I hope you don't think I'm just being repetitive for no reason. You need to get up in the morning and start saying, God loves me. He's my daddy. He's my father. You need to say it and hear it and say it and hear it. I don't care if you've been in the ministry for a hundred years and you've preached on it a thousand times. There's still more revelation in this area than you've touched ever. Than all of us have touched. But you've got to focus on it. And you've got to act like Jesus. Jesus. Do it sometime. Underline everywhere he talks about his father. Particularly in the book of John. You'll just be astounded. It's everywhere. My father this. My father this. The father, the father. The father. My father. My father said this. My father did this. My father told me I could do this. My father, my father. My father, my father. father. And he walked in miracles. Didn't he? He said, well, that's Jesus, brother. No, he's doing it as a man. He said, I can't do anything of myself. Well, that's just like us. Yeah. That's right. That's right. 
And he said, if you believe on me, the works I do, you'll do also. And greater works than these shall you do. Why? I'm going to my father. I'm going to leave it with you. Now, John 20, when Jesus went to the cross and he raised from the dead, something happened that made something available to us that had not been available before, but changed everything. John 20, Jesus has raised from the dead. Verse 11, Mary is standing at the sepulcher weeping. And uh, they see two angels. Verse 14, when she'd spoken to them, she turned back and saw Jesus standing there, didn't recognize him. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She's supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have borne him hence, tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned herself and said to Rabboni, master. Obviously, she was going to fall down and worship him and he said, don't touch me. Because I have not yet ascended. She saw him before he ascended on high. Don't touch me. I've not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren. And say to them. I am ascending. To my father. And your father. Why is he saying this now? Because he has triumphed over all sin that ever separated mankind from God. He has destroyed death, hell, and the grave. He's triumphed. He's going to the throne to be our mediator forever. And now he said, you've got just as much right to call him your father as I do. I'm going to my father. You tell him. You tell him and get it just exactly like this. You tell him I said. That's right. I'm going to my father and your father. My God and your God. Does that mean I can call the Father God, Father, just like Jesus yeah. did just exactly. and does, just exactly. has to be. Why? Because the only righteousness I have is His. That's right. My right standing before God is His right standing. It couldn't be any different. It's His. That's why the Bible says, "Come boldly." Why? Because it's my daddy. Come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and get grace to help in the time of need. You hear people talking about bombarding the gates of heaven. First of all, they're not closed. That's right. Amen. And why would you need to hang out at the gate hollering and yelling? 
when the father said, come boldly right into the throne, you're my son, you're my daughter, I'm your daddy, I'm your father. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, stand on your feet. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you. Somebody say, Father. Come on, talk to him. Tell him, Father, Father, I love you. Father, I worship you. You're my father. You're my daddy. You're my life. I worship you, my father. 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 Father, I worship you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.